Medicine is constantly evolving. Are the changes in the evaluation and training of medical students keeping up? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And my guest is David Donnersberger, MD, JD. Dr. Donnersberger is director of the third year internal medicine clerkship at Evanston Hospital for the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University, Chicago. He's very involved in the recruitment and training of the medicine residents at Evanston Northwestern Healthcare and sits on the residency program's disciplinary committee and the medical school's admission committee. Dr. Donnersberger and I are talking about new standards for evaluating residents and medical students. Dr. Donnersberger, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you. So tell us about your background and your expertise as it relates to the training and evaluating of medical residents and medical students. I'm a clinical instructor on the faculty at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University. I'm also a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing in Chicago and a member of the Illinois Bar. And I'm really charged at Evanston Northwestern Healthcare with a lot of the humanities, ethics, and legal curriculum for our medical students and our residents. How did you first become involved in teaching medical students and residents? I was a chief resident at Evanston Northwestern Hospital, and one of the roles of the chief resident is running morning report, making sure noon conferences are scheduled, making sure your residents and interns show up for their proper lectures. And I really found that I loved it. It was something that I really enjoyed. I was a TA in law school, but that was pretty much just grading uh, memoranda. There have been a lot of changes in the evaluation of medical residents and medical students over the last seven years. Tell us about the six competencies that have been created and how they're used in evaluating physician trainees. The Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, the ACGME, is the national body which is charged with setting the standards for medical education. And in 2000, the ACGME came out with six competencies in which every resident in every specialty must be trained and evaluated. These six competencies are patient care, medical knowledge, practice-based learning and improvement, interpersonal and communication skills, and system-based practice. Clearly, patient care and medical knowledge are fairly self-evident. It's compassionate, appropriate, effective treatment of health problems, and medical knowledge is demonstrating a knowledge of established and evolving biomedical and clinical practices. The third and fourth categories are practice-based learning and improvement, which is really the mirror that a resident must hold up to himself or herself to say, how am I able to investigate, evaluate, and appraise my own skill and my own care? And also, interpersonal and communication skills is easy to understand. That's effective exchange of information and collaboration with patients and families and other healthcare professionals across socioeconomic and cultural backgrounds with the public, with the team, with other healthcare workers. System-based practice is really the binoculars or the lens that the physician in training must hold up to the community and say, am I aware of the larger context and the system of healthcare in which my care and my patient are 
active. So are these actually new competencies or were they always taught and have they just been sort of reorganized, reemphasized? What's going on that makes us more aware of them these days? I think what has happened is that the ACGME has had a desire to consolidate and clarify evaluation criteria for all of the residency programs and all of the specialties across the United States of America. And in one form or another, all of these different areas, medical knowledge, patient care, professionalism, communication skills, the ability to evaluate yourself, the ability to evaluate your patient within the entire healthcare system, have all been out there over years and years. It's just now kind of a coalescing into six clear, discrete competencies that the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education has come up with these six competencies. Do you find that it's more of a challenge these days where English is not the primary language of some of the healthcare providers as well as some of the patients to deal with that communication issue? Absolutely. And that's where the interpersonal and communication skill competency is so very important. And it it really goes beyond just communicating with the physician and the patient. It's communicating with the staff in the hospital, communicating with the public and the media on a public health basis. It's the family members. We are in a polyglot global country and healthcare has to adapt and realize that communication is an essential part of what the physician does. And I think these competencies really take that into consideration. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with physician and attorney Dr. David Donnersberger about new standards for evaluating residents and medical students. So how have the residency program curricula changed to measure these areas? Whole new systems of physician grading and evaluation have had to come into play. Residents now form portfolios describing the different patients and the different competencies that each patient encounter has satisfied. There are longitudinal interactions between the residency program director and the resident throughout her career where there's a sit-down session and the patient and the resident's progression through these six competencies is discussed. So if somebody wasn't progressing on one or more of these competencies, would they be pulled out of their residency program or held back for remedial help? Or what happens if somebody's not making the grade? Well, at our institution, there's a residency quality assurance committee that would meet, evaluate the information, gather data if necessary, and make very, very specific recommendations based clearly on the language of the six competencies. And those critiques, as well as recommendations and options for improvement, are given to the resident in a letter with the program director and discussed in a meeting. So it's not just you're doing poorly in medical knowledge and patient care. We specifically outline the language that the ACGME has used to expand what medical knowledge or patient care is. And we put that language in a letter and then offer the resident very, very specific 
tools and experiences to try to correct the problems in those areas. You know, this kind of peer-to-peer, both counseling and evaluation is always really difficult because, you know, except for the grace of God, there go I, whatever the phrase is that I can't think of right now, you know, I don't want somebody looking over my back. Now I'm empowered to do this. Do you ever have to pull somebody out of a residency program or send a medical student packing because they're not meeting the competencies? Absolutely. It's something that happens infrequently, but it is something that has to happen both to ensure the safety of our patients' health care and the legitimacy of the residency training program and the university medical school as a whole. It does happen. It's an unfortunate situation. And we are primarily in the business of educating. So that is truly a last-ditch effort. Now, if it's a question of professionalism, that sixth competency of professionalism. If someone shows up intoxicated, is inappropriate, is racist, says things that are inappropriate to coworkers or family or staff, those actions are swift to remove the person from the work environment, just as it is everywhere else, hopefully, in the American workforce. But if it's simply a case of someone needing further training, further help, we are there as physician educators to offer it. This is why the students go to medical school. We form and fashion doctors, and that's why residents are in their residency training programs so they can learn how to be expert in all six competencies and can then be fully functional physicians out there practicing in the world. So as a uh, educator and uh, evaluator, have these competencies made your life easier, more difficult? Is it a combination? I think they've made life easier because we have standardized criteria across all specialties, and it's consistent through internship all the way through fellowship, and it's being adopted in the medical school as well. I think it really has made training residents a lot simpler, a lot more consistent, and we have a whole body of very specific language that if a resident is falling short of, we can outline it and say, see here, this is what you're not living up to, and this is how we can help you to improve in this area. It really is the adoption of education, training, and science from schools of education into the medical graduate student experience, and it's working well. So whenever you have a standard, there's always a standard of care issue. So now that you have these new competencies, have the courts gotten involved? Have the legal issues become important in how residents have been trained and whether or not that's happening at your particular institution? Bruce, that's a fabulous question. And as a physician and as an attorney and as a physician educator, I really have my antennae out there waiting to see when these competencies are going to be held up by an attorney in a courtroom somewhere and saying, this practicing physician who finished her residency in 1969 is not living up to professionalism or problem-based learning or practice. And it's going to be an interesting time when that happens and the court is going to have to determine it. I don't believe it has yet come about. But as an attorney, would you expect that this kind of standard could be applied retroactively to physicians who graduated before they were implemented? I see that at some point in time, we are going to begin 
to see creative attorneys applying these standards. Anytime you have the promulgation of new standards, people's behavior is going to be held up to those standards. And just because you graduated before the implementation of these or the specifically these standards are limited to residents, you're still going to find creative lawyering where these creep into malpractice cases or physician disciplinary actions for problems that they have on the professional staff or that they have within their own state licensing boards. The practice of medicine becomes more complex every year. The training of future physicians mirrors that changing complexity. I want to thank our guest, physician and attorney Dr. David Donnersberger, for talking to us about the new standards for evaluating residents and medical students. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that repurposes existing therapies for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and your questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can also find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.